0: Your neighbor Jim figured out that with MetroPCS, he gets unlimited data, talk, and text for $30, period. Babe, that color looks awesome. Just like he figured out that shopping with his wife will buy him a night with his buddies. That's guy's night out, figure it out. You too figure it out. Switch to MetroPCS on the fast 4G LTE T-Mobile network for only $30, period. MetroPCS, wireless, figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Plan includes first one gigabyte of data at up to 4G LTE speeds. See store or MetroPCS.com for details in terms and conditions and data management info.
1: And thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. And today I have the wonderful privilege of having two of the finest gentlemen you'll find anywhere on the planet as my guest this morning. A great pair of Daves, if you will. First up is going to be Sports One Marketing CEO David Meltzer. David has a regular spot with us over on the football side on our show Thursday Night Tailgate uh called the 12th Man segment that he does every single week with us, where he shares some inspirational stories uh, from his career in sports, along with guys that he has had the privilege of getting to know and represent. Uh, we're going to have Dave uh, you know, here with us here in a few moments. He is also the partner of Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. And uh, on the uh, 12th Man segment, uh, he has brought us some great guests as well, like Hall of Famers John Randall, Bobby Bell, and uh, one of my favorite people anywhere on the planet, former defensive back, Vency Glenn. And Vency and John Randall, by the way, are big golfers too. So uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful pr- uh, privilege to have Dave with us on the show. He'll share some of his favorite inspirational golf stories with us, plus his book, Connected to Goodness. It's close to being on the best sellers list, and it's uh, five-star rated on Amazon. A fantastic read. I highly recommend it. Get a copy of it uh, for yourself because it's something you're going to cherish forever, and you're going to want to reread it over and over again. Dave is going to be my guest here in just a few minutes. My other guest today making a return visit with us is Dave Stockton, Jr. Dave, you'll recall, is a, a USC alumni and uh, a Pete Carroll fan, so you know I've got to ask him about uh, what happened at the end of the Super Bowl. So I'll do that. Plus, get his thoughts on uh, how uh, those of us who are, you know, n- don't live out west and are here still on the East Coast, north of Florida, are, uh, you know, still stuck in the cold and trying to figure out how we can shake the rust off our games. Plus, we'll get his thoughts on Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Rory McElroy. Dave's going to be along with us in about 15 minutes. But before we get started, I want to remind you about our new sponsor, Custom Golf Bags USA. Custom Golf Bags USA is the ideal choice for corporates and individual corporations and individuals wanting to customize their logo on a high quality golf gear bag. Their founder Travis McLean has taken uh, his love for golf to a new level for all those golf lovers around the world. Everyone understands, you know, how you want to dress like a professional, play like a golf professional, and now Custom Golf Bags USA, you can have a golf bag like a golf professional. At Custom Golf Bags USA, they design their golf bags with the individuality of the customer in mind. They offer the best in quality and innovation by utilizing the most cutting-edge production technologies and expert workers to ensure your bag is going to be at the top of its class. Custom Golf Bags USA knows that the top-quality golf bags are more than just fancy embroidery and needlework. It's the effective blend of high-standard materials, superior design, and top-notch customer service. Everything from the interior structure of the bag to the outer panels is created with the utmost care and attention to detail. Why not let your clients walk the fairways promoting your company brand and Custom Golf Bags USA can customize a golf bag that's going to be a legacy so that you're not going to be forgotten for years. It's your game, your way. For more information, check out their page on Facebook, Custom Custom Golf Bags USA, and give them a like. That's important to them, too. All right, I want to kick off the show like we do every single week by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank you for your daily sacrifices and all you do to keep the rest of us safe. We also want to thank those of you who serve or have served in every branch of the military and public service. We truly appreciate what you do to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the folks over at Armed Forces Radio. It's an honor for us to be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. We also want to thank everyone listening in on iHeartRadio, as well as great radio sites across the Internet like Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, Player.fm, and Blog Talk Radio as well. Plus, if someone's dragging you to the mall or to the grocery store, you're just tired of the same old, same old on your commute, download the player.fm or Stitcher app on your smartphone so you can take us with you everywhere you go. Let us give you something fun to focus on while you're out and about. All right, now joining me on the Custom Golf Bags USA guest line is, uh, like I say, one of the greatest men that you're going to find anywhere on the planet. He's also the CEO of Sports One Marketing, and that's Mr. David Meltzer. Dave, thanks for getting up uh, with the sun with us out there out west in California and joining me on the golf side. How are you today, my friend?
2: Oh, I'm awesome. What a great way to start my weekend, and thank you so much for having me, Chris.
1: So, Dave, for the audience on this side, tell them about what Sports 1 Marketing is and really what your philosophy for business is.
2: Absolutely. So I used to run the world's largest sports agency called Lee Steinberg. And about five years ago, Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, and I, we were partners with Lee. We spun off our company not to represent celebrities and athletes, but actually to utilize and leverage those relationships. About $2 billion in relationship capital that we had to bring the right people to projects. And those projects surround themselves By the biggest sporting events in the world, everything from the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, St. Jude Classic, things like that, but we bring all the right people to it for a purpose, and that purpose is to make a lot of money so we can help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And we really uh, look at everything in those three little areas and we do a really nice job of, of doing that and being abundant with all the, the, the different things that we do and creating experiences and creating goodwill for everyone surrounding sports.
1: Yeah, no, there's no question you guys do a really nice job at that. You know, one of, one of the other things, Dave, and we've had the the privilege of talking with you many times over on the football side, uh, about your book. You've got a book called Connected to Goodness, which is quickly, you know, approaching bestseller, bestseller status, which, you know, has got to be something that's very exciting for you. Talk about your book, and then uh, I know you've got a big event coming up uh, this coming uh, Tuesday.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the actual the book uh, applies to golf a lot, and the analogies and the, and the principles set forth in the book really uh, are, are utilized in golf. And the idea of the book is that we consciously think about what we desire, and, and just like golf, the most important part is envisioning and, and practicing. So we envision uh, what we want; it becomes a possibility. And then I give you these principles of foundation, guidepost, and manifestation in order to get inspired. And once we're inspired, uh, in football, we call that the 12th man. Here, I don't know in golf what analogy I can use, but we, we have this inspiration, <laughs> that <laughs> like a hole in one, but we have this inspiration that then we have to use discipline, strategy, and understanding in order to effectuate what we have. So you go from having a possibility with an idea to a probability when it's inspired and then utilizing action, specific action with discipline, strategy, and understanding, we then create our perspective, which is really our reality. And in this case, I hope reality is shooting scratch golf. There you go. <laughs>
1: so as we talk about, you know, the book and your, in your book is five-star rated on Amazon, which, you know, you know it's got to be something you know very special to you to know that your book is being so well received and the impact that it's having on so many people's lives because to go out there and get five star ratings to get people to actually rate your book or rate a show or anything like that we know you know in life you know people will tend to tell you about you know the complaints that they have in in the in a product or that sort of thing you're going to hear you know 10 times more about the bad side than you are on the good side but your book is having such an impact that people are going out and giving it such a great rating talk about what that's like
2: you know it's really nice uh we know from the sports media that the the negative energy attracts so much and that there's so many more positive stories than the negative ones. So to be able to inspire people to take action and maybe the book itself instills in people that response to go out and, and pay it forward and to help other people and to help me help other people. And that's my personal mission to empower others, to empower others so I can create Significant change, purpose, happiness, and peace for so many people, which includes shooting scratch golf. But moreover, we're we're going to actually have connected to Goodness Day on Tuesday coming up, Uh, and we're so close to being actually a number one bestseller now that we're trying to get everyone to go out and buy one book for somebody else, buy one book. Come onto Amazon, buy one paperback, one Kindle, one hardback, it doesn't matter, and share it with somebody else. Empower them with the ability to attract to their life anything they desire, business, golf, or life.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Davey, you've also got a pretty big event coming up next month called the Unstoppable Gala, where your partner, our friend, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, is going to be recognized with the Unstoppable Achievement Award from the Unstoppable Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that event and what that foundation is and you know how they're going to be recognizing Warren.
2: Sure. It's a huge humanitarian award. Last year, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, Lula, and I can't pronounce her last name, had won it. And it's the first time that an athlete has won this humanitarian award. And on March 21st, we are going to honor Warren, 800-person uh, gala at the Century Plaza Hotel, and hopefully you guys will be broadcasting from there. But... Uh, they have honored Warren, um, and the Unstoppable Foundation aligns with Warren's Crescent Moon Foundation. Uh, they don't want to leave one kid on Earth uneducated, so they build villages in Africa. Uh, these education villages, to make sure that every child on Earth is educated. And I believe education is power. I think if you're not going to invest in yourself, what are you going to invest in? And moreover, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. And so Warren and I have put a concerted effort to help educate our communities here in America. And now we've gone even farther and started in Africa building these villages. In fact, I have a Warren Moon Challenge WarrenMoonChallenge.com, where Sports 1 Marketing is matching every dollar to build a village in Africa uh, to educate these children and to empower the world with the most powerful thing, knowledge.
1: Uh, That's fantastic. Again, WarrenMoonChallenge.com to go out there and help support what is an outstanding cause. Dave, I know one of one of your favorite uh, inspirational stories here on on the golf side is uh, going back to the time that uh, you had an opportunity to see Tiger when he was out playing at uh, at Torrey. Talk about what that what that was like in the and the story surrounding it.
2: Sure. Well, I grew up in San Diego, and, uh, you know, I'm a mediocre golfer, but I love it. I grew up with Phil Mickelson, Mickelson in fact, lived four doors down, and Tina, his sister, was my, my prom date, my senior prom date at Patrick Henry High there. Uh, nice. So I, I always had a, <laughs> a keen interest in, in the U.S. Open as well as, of course, the Farmers Open, which is going on. And Vency and Glenn, who works for me, he's my player development uh, director, He is actually very close friends with Tiger. So in uh, 2008, uh, when Tiger won the U.S. Open, it was one of the most inspirational sporting uh, experiences of my life where I followed Tiger every single day to finally... That he had broken, had two fractures, one in his tibia and one in his knee. He had only played two nine-hole practice rounds before. They told him not to play; that it actually could could ruin his career. And it was a severe handicap. It was like when Michael Jordan had that 102 temperature, and he you know had 52 points. But it was unbelievable that you know coming in to, to tie up Rocco Mediate with that 60-degree wedge he hit 15 you know feet from the hole. Uh, 101 yards out to create a playoff and then finally to win in the playoff uh, on the 7th hole there. It was one of the most inspirational things uh, and the weird thing for me is I have only seen Tiger and followed him a few times uh, because of my time restraints but two of those, one was the famous uh chip shot uh, on 16th at the Masters and the other right. was walking with him these days at Torrey Pines so Uh, I'm a huge tiger fan, tiger fan. I think you will see that once he gets his swing pattern, right with his new swing, that he will be at the top of everyone's game and everyone forgets how good he really was last year and how much he won and where he was ranked. Uh, so don't count tiger out, especially at Torrey pines. And he is an inspiration for all of us. He's human. He's made mistakes, but he's certainly an inspiration when it comes to playing golf.
1: So what was it like, you know, you talk about following him at the Masters and seeing that chip shot, which is, you know, obviously one of the greatest shots, you know, in golf history. What was it like seeing it live?
2: The, it was, I mean, it was incredible. I forgot I was at a golf tournament. If I was at a golf tournament, especially one as stoic as the Masters, you more felt like it was the Phoenix Open because it was like a a, a World Cup soccer game. It was incredible. When he sunk that, the hairs on my arm were at, at full attention. I had, you know, goose skin. Everyone around me was hugging, and, you know, I looked like Jerry Jones uh, in, in his sky, skybox when they won that last minute. Uh, touchdown. It was incredible. You had thousands of people. The, the whole earth was shaking, and it was absolutely an incredible moment in sports. And what a clutch, focused, clear, balanced athlete Tiger Wood was, was and is to sink that shot.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's sort of got to be one of those moments that sort of transcends sports. You know, you we we talking you know, you talk inspirational stories, which is one of the you know the great things and and why we enjoy having you now here on the golf side, which we're we're fortunate enough that we'll have you uh, you know once a month over here talking about golf inspirational stories. We're even more privileged on on Thursday night tailgate to have you kicking off the show every single week and talking about some of the football inspirational stories. But that moment has got to be one of those things that sort of transcends sports it sort of lifts everybody if you talk about hugging other people you know that were out there you know in the gallery and that sort of thing all the other patrons at, at augusta national but that's sort of got to lift everybody up to a higher place for at least you know a few minutes Yeah, it
2: had so many significant things that people just believing from the the racial barriers to Nike and to all the people in Augusta, to all the people watching the the millions of people on TV, to see someone that can have that uh, tenacity in such a clutch moment. You know, it's like Big Poppy coming up and hitting the Grand Slam again to win the game. It, it, it takes a certain type of person not only to be at the top of his game, but to be at the top of the game at the very right moment, to be so clutch like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, to to hit that game-winning shot. And it was an incredible experience. The funny thing for me that I laugh at is, you know, I always joke around that I'm just you famous. When I go somewhere, you know, especially in Hollywood, in these sporting events, they kind of point me out and go, "Oh, just you, just you can come in." Meanwhile, my wife, even my wife, is standing there not being able <laughs> to get in. Uh, but my, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what one of my just you famous moments was at there is I was actually standing right behind Tiger. And so all those commercials, all those posters, everything, as you look real deep into the crowd there, you can see me, two people back, you know, with my hands in the air, and I always joke around, look, there I am, I'm in the Nike commercial. (laughs) 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 So there I am, just you famous, behind one of the greatest sports moments of all time.
1: That's awesome. I'm gonna to have to look up that picture and find you back there. That's fantastic, and I love the Red Sox reference. By the way, huge Red Sox fan, so that you know the big poppy reference. Thank you for that. Of course. All right, Dave. Your book once again is is connected to goodness. You can find it online at connectedtogoodness.com as well as on Amazon.com. Big event coming up on Tuesday. Get out there and purchase your copy. Like Dave said, whether that's a a paperback, a hard copy, put it for your Kindle, that sort of thing. Let's get that book up to number one bestseller status. I look forward to seeing that. Dave, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show. You know how much we care about you and everyone out there at Sports One Marketing, our good friend, Vincey Glenn. It's an honor for us to be working with you guys, and uh, thanks for being a part of this side of the show.
2: Thank you so much. The feeling's mutual And anything we can do. Let us know. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care, Dave. Have a great day.
2: You too. Bye-bye.
1: David Meltzer, Sports One Marketing, check those guys out online as well. You can find them sports and the number one for uh, Warren Moon's number when he plays. So sports, the number one, marketing.com. Great folks doing some great things. And, again, the challenge that he talked about to help uh, education and uh, get education into the villages in Africa, taking the challenge, and they're going to be matching the dollars. Go to warrenmoonchallenge.com to help support that wonderful cause. All right, now joining me on the Custom Golf Bags USA guest line is my next guest, Dave Stockton, Jr. Let me remind you about Dave's background. He's from Redlands, California. Like his father and grandfather before him, he was an All-American golfer at the University of Southern California. He joined the then Nike Tour and now the Web.com Tour in 1993 and won twice during his rookie season at the Nike Connecticut Open and the Nike Hawkeye Open. He went through Q school in 1994, earned his tour card, and finished 96th on the PGA Tour money list in his rookie year there. Had two third-place finishes that season and totaled three top-ten finishes as well. From 1993 to 2006, he had six top-ten finishes on the Web.com Tour and three top 10 finish, or 13 top-ten finishes on the PGA Tour. Following his playing days, he spent a couple of years as a commentator for the USA uh, Network, He's now one of the top instructors on the planet, and when uh, he's not helping others improve his game, he's out hunting with his dad and his son, and I am privileged to have him back next on the tee with me this morning. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for joining me again.
3: Morning, Chris. Glad to be on again.
1: So, so Dave, I know you were rooting for, we're going to start a little on the football side. I know you were rooting for the (laughs) Seahawks last Sunday during the game. You tweeted out about how good a coach Pete Carroll is, and you went to SC, he coached there. You were talking about how great you know he is at making second half adjustments, and then I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think, I, think I
3: jinxed him. I think I jinxed him on that one. That was <laughs> I've had quite a few friends say, "Nice comment there. You, you ruined it." It's like it was my fault.
1: <laughs> but you know, so, what are your thoughts? Me, bad call, right call, passing instead of giving it to Lynch.
3: Well, the the thing that, it, looking back on it, at, you know, at the spur of the moment you look at it, you're like, how come he didn't pass off to Lynch? Well. Going before that, his use of timeouts was terrible. Um, he used a couple timeouts because he wasn't organized. It seemed like he they, he was a little bit in disarray. And, and you know, the commentators were saying, why isn't Belichick calling timeouts to right. save the clock for Brady? Well, Belichick was looking over there going, they're not organized. They're not – for whatever reason, it was like he knew that they were in trouble. Even though they were moving the ball and got down there inside the five – and had Belichick called the timeouts, then Carroll could have run the ball with Lynch and had time still to 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 make plays with, with just the one timeout. But because he let the clock run down, he knew that Carroll, in my opinion, he knew he had to throw it. And it was a play that they'd practiced and, and been ready for. And the guy made a great jump on the ball and made a play. I mean, Belichick, to me, just proved how good he was. And I think, you know, it seemed like Seattle was a little bit confused on their side, and they had to throw it, and and New England knew it, and uh, all of us got to see great theater. I mean, it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that was a, 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 a and I guess an epic or a storybook history you know, or a storybook ending, you know, for for the Patriots side. But yeah, you're right. I was one of those guys screaming like, "Why isn't Belichick calling time out here right. to give Brady a chance? They're going to have nothing left, and they're going to give the ball to Lynch, and this game's going to be over." But my goodness. Yeah, he, uh, he certainly proved us all wrong, or proved the, the naysayers like me wrong.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it it was it was fun to see a game like that after last year's debacle of a Super Bowl, which was over the first five right. minutes. So it was kind of fun. I mean, uh, and to be in Vegas watching it, uh, it was you know obviously an entertaining place. I I joked that I went from one crazy venue when I was at the Phoenix Open all week until Saturday morning to another crazy venue in Vegas. So
1: um,
3: <laughs> it, it was a fun week.
1: Yeah, I bet it was. So Dave, how are things going at Stockton Golf? Uh,
3: things are good. You know, the season's, uh, now it's on us, and my dad and I have been busy uh, uh, with, you know, Humana, Phoenix, and, and Torrey this week, and um, not we're, neither one of us are going up to AT&T, but then uh, we've got L.A., and uh, we'll be at L.A. Actually, I'm playing in the Monday Pro-Am. I got swindled into that one, which will be interesting. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's a collegiate Pro-Am. They have those collegiate Pro-Ams that they do, and... Um, you know, where you play you, wherever, you know, you went to your school and the college kid from uh, that's playing there currently with two amateurs And uh, Kevin Stadler is the only Trojan on tour right now that's that's exempt and he's hurt and uh, so the coach called me and asked me if I would play and I'm like uh, okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
3: I'm starting to practice a little more because I, I, I don't want the kid that's playing at SC currently I don't know who I'm playing with yet but I don't want him to beat me too bad so I want to i got to work on my game a little bit, and I spent a couple hours yesterday, so <laughs> we'll, uh, I've got a week, a little over a week to get ready.
1: All right. So, <laughs> I, I saw pictures of your dad down at the uh, PGA Merchandise Show. Did you guys yep. have a presence down there, or was he uh, there just uh, teaching everybody how to be better putters?
3: No, you know, we were both going. Um, we were going down for Nike and uh Superstroke and... Um, uh, he ended up going, I had some stuff, I I, I uh, got asked to do some stuff for the Humana here in the desert, and uh, so he went and took care of things, and um, I guess, you know, he sent me pictures, it was pretty funny, I, he took over the putting green on demo day, and, and uh, I guess he had three one-hour clinics, and up to 80 ple- people plus each one, and yeah, you wow. get 80 people on that. It's not a big putting green, and it kind of took over the whole green, and the other companies I don't think were too thrilled with it, but uh, <laughs> Nike sure was.
1: I bet they were, too.
3: <laughs> so, it's like that, that old ad, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. It's like when my dad there talks. There you go.
1: You know, yep. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, who who better on the planet? If if someone's going to be on a putting green and they're going to be telling you about what you know what their philosophy is and showing the stroke, yep. uh, there isn't anybody on the planet better to do that than than your father. And if he's doing it, everyone, you're right, everyone's listening. Or at least they should. Yeah,
3: be. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you know, it's been a lot of fun, you know, having grown up caddying for him on tour, and you know, to me, I I just have always thought of putting as the easiest part of the game, as as he has too, and um you know it's it's uh um, his approach and his mental approach more than anything that's what people don't realize is it's so much more on the mental side and that's what we teach um you know cuz if you're not thinking right walking in uh it, the stroke's not going to cooperate usually and you're not going to make the putts if you're thinking about other things or and uh so it's just it's been fun uh to to know how to how to be on the greens and how to react and and then be able to, you know, give that feeling and that, that belief in themselves to people, whether they're high handicappers or the best players in the world.
1: Right, and that and that's really, you know, a lot of what I wanted to talk about this morning, Dave, because your father's got a new book out, which I ordered this morning, by the way, called uh, Own Your Game. In it, he yep. talks about, you know, how to think better, stay calmer, execute more consistently, and more importantly, really, how to get more enjoyment out of the game. Can you share a couple of the things that uh, I'll get to read more about here when the book arrives?
3: Yeah, it's it's really my favorite of the three books that we've done. Um, you know, obviously, the first one was on putting, the second one was on short game, and this one is on the mental side and with stories, uh, examples and stories from the tour days. Um, and so, because so much of what we teach, like I said, it, it's putting's 90% mental. Um and I think that's where we differ from most instructors if not all is it's it, we're not focusing solely on the stroke we're focusing on the routine the rhythm of your routine and and what your uh, how you read a putt your mental thought process going into the putt throughout your whole you know uh routine of putting and and that's in this in this book you know it it teaches you how to think the right way on the greens um it still blows us away. You know, we'll, we'll do clinics, whether I'm doing it alone or we do it together, and someone will say, "Well, how often do you back off a putt?" And my dad and I have the same answer every time. It's we say we've never backed off a putt ever, and people don't understand that. They 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 just go, "How is that possible?" Well, with our approach to putting, it's very simple, and when you know, people understand that, then they go, "Okay, I understand," because they they've been doing it different and. You know, it's it's a it's an eye opening experience, and the and the book is neat because it it does give examples of why it works and stories from you know the tour days, um, and so it's a, it's a it's a fun read. It's and it's again it's not a big book. It's a it's a short book like the other two, and uh, it's my favorite of the three.
1: So to that end, and you know, I, I'm not asking to give any trade secrets away here, but you talked, you know, and I think we talked about this last time you joined me last fall. But mm-hmm. talk about why? Why don't you ever back off a putt? Why are you so locked in when you get over it? You know, for the first time, you don't ever have a second thought. Like, mm, let me take a little look at this thing.
3: Well, one is we're we're in our sub- we're we're in our subconscious, and we're not trying. We're trusting our process and what we're doing, and. Um, The easiest, the the, the most simplistic example or or way of not having to back off a putt, if nothing else, is if you walk in and you put the putter behind the ball. Before you set your feet, you just kind of come in with a little bit of an open stance, feet close together, and you put the putter behind the ball, and then you look out at the hole, and you set your feet visualizing that ball going in, you're going to have, if you let your eyes set your feet, your eyes are your feel and you're visualizing a positive image of the ball going in, if you enjoy the look out there, your eyes are going to let you set yourself up where you're comfortable. Your eyes are not going to allow you to get in there and be uncomfortable over it. But most people fixate on the ball and stare at the ball more than they do looking out at the hole. And they take short little looks out, but then they stare at that ball for a real long time. And if you're staring at that ball, you're going to be busy <laughs> in your head and... uh Definitely not in your subconscious, where where we'd want you.
1: So, speaking of the mental side of the game, and we've all seen now the struggles that Tiger is having. His body clearly isn't as ready as he wants it to be, and he also appears to be struggling in his head too. But I'm all, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, Dave, if it if it isn't all sort of mental, and the physical side is a is sort of you know here's the manifestation of it because. You know he wants he wants to be back out there playing. I'm sure very badly. He's 39 years old now, and you know every major he isn't ready for. Jack's record sort of gets a little further away. Plus his mind, maybe you know fully he's got you know he's on sports coach now and all these different you know swing thoughts you know that right. he is trying to process through. I mean, when you're watching him, what are your thoughts about you know where he's at right now?
3: Well, it's you know it, it's it's sad to see. Um, because of what he's done for the game and every player out there knows that they're living in the homes they live in and flying in the jets they're flying in and and having the cars they have because of Tiger Woods um when I got on tour in 94 it was 180,000 was first place and wow. uh that that just right there when he came out in 96 um <clears throat> And started winning at the end of the year when he came out, and then ninety seven he wins the masters It was right when the tour was uh, uh in negotiations with their t v contract and it couldn't bid in a better time, and all of a sudden purses were you know it was three hundred and eighty thousand for first, half a million for first, seven hundred and fifty thousand eight hundred nine million every person now is over a million and it's just it's all attributed to what he did for the game and in, in bring, making it a global game and popular um and so it's sad to see him now, you know, uh, f- I, you could argue, I mean, I, in the last 25 years, the worst decision, and this is just my opinion, and it, it's easy right. to throw stones and everything, in the last 25 years, the worst decision in sports, I think, was Tiger leaving Butch. Um yeah. I mean, why change something? You win the U.S. Open by 15 shots, and you're going to go change your swing, and, and you've got to get better. Right. And, and, and you know, I know that Butch and he had their, you know, issues, whatever, but, you know, you're, you you have the potential to absolutely – I mean, I, I, I don't have I, – I really don't have a – I wouldn't doubt that he might already be at Jack's record had he stayed with what he was doing with Butch. Um, and that's just a, that's a pure speculation and a guess, but sure. he, dom- he he dominated during that time like nobody ever has. And, you know, when he changed his swing, it, remember it took a year or a year and a half before he started winning again. And then he started winning, but then he changed again and same kind of thing. And it just, you allow that time to go by, you wonder what he would have done if he'd have just stuck with what he was doing. Um, right. I don't remember Nicholas changing, you know. I mean, he just, right. just stuck with it and I I don't know anybody in the history of the game that's changed their swing 3 or 4 times. And usually guys that change their swing uh fall off the planet. And he didn't. Yeah. Each each time he came back, but uh it's 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 tough to see now. Um you know, and you and what looked like feel where he was the best. You know, I heard I got on, I was listening to uh, your previous guest, uh, talking about the chip on sixteen at, at the Masters at Augusta, and you know, between him and, and Phil, they were the two best in the in the world at short game, and you wouldn't want to go up against either one of them. And uh, you know, that's obviously clearly one of Tiger's issues now. And you know, a lot of it is on the mental side, but you got to wonder when you have so many so many thoughts and so many things that you're changing and altering constantly. This is such a difficult game to master. And, you know, when you're constantly changing things and you're dealing with injuries and everything else, it's just a, I don't know. And then, you're, you know, you've got age issue, you know, 39. He's not a young 39 because of what he's put his body through. Right. Um, and it's... You know, I mean, the guy's always been a physical specimen. You stand next to him. If you see him with his shirt off, uh, he doesn't look like a golfer. Let's just put it that way. Um, right. But yet, his, you know, his back, it's his back this time. And, you know, he puts so much pressure on his body with his swing. And it's just, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a fine line. And it's, it's tough to see him like that. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't like to see him, you know, playing at his best. Um, I don't. Think that uh, it'd be hard pressed to say we're going to see the the tiger that we saw in the early 2000s ever again. And granted, right. that's fifteen that's fifteen years ago now. You realize it. it's twenty right. you know twenty four, twenty three, twenty four. Uh, right. That's a lifetime ago in uh, in a tour player's mind and body. So.
1: He, you talk about the pressure that he puts on his body, and, and Dave, yep. you know, when, you know, especially now, you know, when you're hurt, and you know, I do, I do a football show called Thursday Night Tailgate, where we, you know, we talk to a lot of the legends of right. the game, and many of those guys talk to us about coping with injuries, and you can even hear Mark Schlereth, you know, on ESPN Radio, and he talk about this subject, and at some point, you have to reconcile that where your body's at, that you know, maybe eighty percent is now your new 100% because you're never going to get back to feeling the 100% that you were once upon a time again. And, you know, I'm I'm sort of wondering if, if Tiger doesn't have to reconcile that his body isn't going to allow him to drive the ball 330 anymore, lead the tour, you know, and driving, you know, for a long period of time. And I know he drove the ball well a couple of weeks ago, even, even though, you know, he only lasted, you know, a few holes, but his, his 100% now, maybe, you know, in his mind, he has to get to. I can drive a 290 now because I need to save the torque on my back and my knee yeah. so that, it, you know, I can continue to play this game. Is that something you think, you know, at some point he may need to reconcile himself to?
3: Yeah. I mean, I. I heard his interview after he after he pulled out on Thursday. He's talking about firing glutes, and I knew that was going to get lit up in the social media. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I my dad and I were sitting there watching it together down in San Diego on TV, and Dad looks at me and I look at him. It was like, what the heck is he talking about, firing glutes? What? <laughs> dad goes. I don't think I've ever fired my glutes.
1: <laughs> and, and I said, Dad, I'm
3: not sure I have either. I, maybe that's why I haven't won all those tournaments that he's won. I Maybe I've, I've missed out on firing glutes. But, I mean, we had a good – but, uh, you know, it, it's – I don't know. You know, it's, it's, he's used explosiveness and everything else. And I think that, you know, it's tough because when, when he was dominating, he was the longest on tour, and he overpowered courses. Um, right, right. He's got 30 guys out there that hit it farther than him and straighter than him now, and so it really comes down to having his short game and putting be the best they can be, as as good as they've been in the past. If he had his best short game and putting, and that just continued to be really good, he would still compete and still win tournaments uh, on a regular basis. Uh, even though, if he, even if he drove it crooked, because he was just such a wizard around the greens and on them and he will right. the ball in the hole and I think he has to figure out how to get back to that because having a a c c minus short game and not hitting it straight I don't care who you are you're not going to win tournaments out there because the game has changed every year it changes and uh the players get better and better and they get younger and younger as you're getting older and uh
1: right
3: it's a it's definitely a young man's game you see the 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 you know Brooks Kepka who just won last week what a, what an amazing talent and it was just a matter of time till he won and and these kids are coming up with no fear and you know obviously Rory's yeah. playing with with a tremendous amount of um you know confidence and that's what this game is it's about having confidence the guys that are playing well are are su- super confident in in their ability and what they're doing and they believe in what they're doing and and and, and who they are as a player and I don't think I don't see Tiger that way right now. I see him, um, you know, searching. And that's not that's not the Tiger we're used to seeing, for sure.
1: Right. Um, I want to get back to the idea on the short game here in a minute, but one more thing just before we move away from the, the Tiger Woods mm-hmm. piece, Dave. is I had, I had Eric Johnson on with me last week. He's another great instructor. Yep. And I asked him, if Tiger had come to you instead of Chris Como to be his next coach, would you do it? And Eric, Eric said yes, but it wasn't a rousing yes because of all the expectations of being Tiger Woods' coach plus the time commitment away from his family and that it would involve. And, and I don't blame Eric for being less than gung-ho about it because I'm not sure if being Tiger Woods' coach is a blessing or a curse because of the scrutiny right. that comes you know, with it. So I ask the same question to you. If he came to you to fix what's going on with him, would you jump at the chance?
3: Um, yeah, I'd help him. Yeah. And my dad would too. I mean, both of us have talked about it. We're like if they, if he ever reached out, um, we'd be glad to help him. Um, you know, i i played with him on tour. I've known him, I've known him since he was a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, the media, they're going to say what they say, whatever. I mean, uh, I, if, if he came, I would get back to basics and, and just simplify his approach, uh, to the game so he can just go out there and play. Um, you know, he's and it's just it's I I don't know. It's gotten complicated for him but I'd be glad yeah. to help him out. I'd be glad to help him. It's not a you know nothing to shy away from or anything like that, but definitely would would be uh uh the the short game is isn't isn't a difficult fix. Um I watched him, you know, he chipped in that one on uh Thursday. And that one you could tell exactly what he was trying to do with the shot, the swing that he made outside to, to inside, a little cut shot, swing, popped it out, roll right in the hole. That one you could tell exactly what he was doing. And some of his other chips around the greens, it's like he, he's not exactly sure what shot he's playing. He's not committed, you know.
1: Yeah. So to that end, whether, you know, Tiger Woods or anybody that comes to you that's, you know, been playing the game for a long time, and you mentioned how powerful the mind is, how how do yep. you sort of, you know, shake the etch-a-sketch of the brain, to you know, erase all the stuff that you've been doing for people that have been playing the game and have bad habits and that sort of thing? How do you sort of erase the etch-a-sketch and get to start over?
3: Well, I mean, it's everybody develops, yeah, I say the word scar tissue in the brain, Um uh, with too many thoughts or or too many ideas uh, in their head, and it clutters what you're what what you're really when you're over the ball, it clutters what you they should be thinking, um, which is really not a whole lot. Once you're and once you're walking into the shot, whether it's a, a tee shot or a iron or a wedge or a putt, as you're walking in, you, it's time to shut off that left brain, which is the analytical, mechanical, trying thinking side and get over to the artist in the right brain the the athlete and that's the feel side on the right brain that is where you're going to play your best golf and you know an example of that um is Annika who is kind of a neat story back in like around 2000 my dad was still playing champions tour and Annika's obviously on the LPGA and she Struggled a little. She'd won twice in the last year, year and a half, which for a lot of girls out there would be great. uh Veronica wasn't so good, and they were on an outing together. And she asked him if if he'd help her with her putting, and he said sure. So he looked at her routine and saw her go through. And my dad says, "You got to get rid of the practice strokes." And she, she, she tries it, you know, and she comes back to him later in the day and says, "Okay, I, I tried doing no practice strokes. I can't do it. I have to have one." And I'm like, yeah. she's very mechanical. Okay, so she's a mechanical player. My dad said, fine, if you're going to make practice strokes, I want you to do it behind the ball, looking down your line, visualizing the ball going in as you make those strokes. And he said, you can do all your thinking, mechanical thoughts and thinking back here, but visualize the ball going in. And when you walk into that ball, as you're walking in, turn off that left brain, that thinking analytical side, and let the feel come out. I want you to just put in your subconscious. Just all you're doing is looking at the hole, visualizing it going in as you're setting up, and you let it go, and she won 17 times the next two years. Wow! And she she still puts that way today. And that's getting the getting the mind quiet over the ball is one of the things we really work on with people because if your mind's busy over that ball, you're gonna be fighting yourself all day long. And most people play yeah. that way. They're they're not committed to the shot or they're they're not sure it's the right club but they're still going to do it anyway and it's a constant battle for 4 or 5 hours however long it takes you to play. Right. And so what we do is we get people to quiet their minds as they're as they're walking in, they're already committed and they're just walking in knowing they're going to pull the shot off or knowing they're going to make the putt, knowing they're going to make the chip and they let it go. I mean, I I I tell people three keys, visualize, trust, let it go. And that's yeah. throughout the whole game and and uh you know, uh, you you don't see that with people that are struggling. You see them just battling and they get finished with a round and they wonder why they're exhausted uh mentally and physically. They're just exhausted after eighteen holes. And well they've they've battled uh they've battled for their their emotions for eighteen holes and they're physically and, and men- mentally exhausted because of it and because they're constantly fighting themselves and if you if you walk if you can commit to it and walk in and just let it go, you're going to play better. Um, it's the old adage of dropping that second ball after you've missed the first one, and the second one goes right where you wanted the first one to go most of the time. And you say, why didn't I do that the first time? Well, your six inches between your ears didn't allow you to do that.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. I got I got a lot of notes out of what you just put out. That's fantastic stuff. Dave... We, all, we always talk about how, and you talked about know, specializing in a C-minus short game and that sort of thing. The majority of the game is played from 100 yards, and Gary Player has talked about that with us many times. Yep. You know, Most amateurs focus more on you know, going to the range, hitting drivers, and then walking up to the first tee. For those golfers who don't have a lot of time to spend on the range before we play, what regimen do you guys teach regarding warming up and practicing before you actually go out and hit the course?
3: Well, it it gets back to um, practicing the routine each time. Going through your routine um, on the range. Uh, walk into the shot. Picture hitting a draw or fade. Um, if you've got a hole or two on the course that you struggle with every time, at your local club, a hole that just doesn't fit your eye, play that hole on the range before you go out. Picture the shots you're going to hit and get up there and hit it on the range. Go through your routine. It's not about just loosening up and being mindless and swinging because then when you get on the golf course, then all of a sudden now you're trying. Oh, this matters. I'm going to try. And you're dead. And, um, yeah, you know, I think about, you know, a, the example of that is I'd do that at, at Sawgrass. When I'd play the Players' Championship, I'd visualize 17. I'd know where the pin is. My caddy would get, you know, have the pin sheet already. He'd know the yardage because he'd walked it earlier. I'd say, I'd say, okay, it's a nine iron. And I'd picture the hole, I'd picture the pin, and I'd hit the shot on the range. And I'd do that on 18 off the tee, too. I'd visualize 18 tee shot, you know, and then I'd visualize the second shot into 18. So when I got out on that tur- in the tournament on that course and I got to those holes, well, I've already hit those shots on the range. I've got a positive image of what I'm going to do with this shot. And that's a good way. It gives you some confidence because if you've had issues in the past – Normally we we bring those up in our mind. Don't go where you hit it last week, or don't do what you did last time. And right. as soon as you're as soon as you're saying that, you usually will, um, you know, because golf's a visually intimidating sport. So you know, if you're visualizing the negative things that are probably about to happen that you're fighting, <laughs> you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. But if you can if you can get up there and and I always say, you know, visualize the, a positive image of what you want the ball to do, and then and then just let it go. And just if you can let it go and and be committed to the shot you want to make. I had a kid yesterday. I was giving him a lesson. We went out and played three holes. He he said he had some problems with his course management. We get out there on the course and and what he was doing, he was he was committing to the right club, but he wasn't committing to hit a hitting a draw or a fade. And I said, if you're not committing to hitting a draw or fade, you're not telling your body what to do in the swing. You're just kind of swinging at it. And, you know, you, you can you can feel a draw. You can feel a fade. But if you're getting up trying to play a straight shot or just kind of uh, not sure if you're drawing or fading it, who knows which way it's going to go because you're not giving your body any instruction on what kind of shot you're about to hit. No, you know, and it's like tennis players. You're either hitting top spin or a cut shot. And they know it now. That's a reactionary sport, so it immediately happens. They don't have time to think, Uh, but they're not hitting anything without any with with no spin whatsoever. It's either top spin or cut every single time. And uh, that's the kind of commitment in golf where it's so vital to get a routine that repeats every single time. You watch the golf on TV today, or whenever, if you're at a tournament, you watch the guys' routines on tour, and they're going to repeat. Every time. And, the, and when they when the routine breaks down, that's when the guys struggle because um, routines do break down at times. But um, I would tell people if they don't have a lot of time, just, you know, go through your routine each time. So under pressure, that routine is like your security blanket. It repeats every single time.
1: Great advice. One last thing before we let you go, Dave. I know you've got some time commitments and some things to do. I just, We're, we're going to start the campaign again for your father to get into the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame. Your father won two majors 25 times on tour and has done probably more corporate golf outings than anyone on the planet. Are you getting a sense of him being on the brink now? We had David Graham get inducted. I would think that the, your father's got to be next in line.
3: Yeah, you know, it would be uh... – I, I think you know each year you're getting closer. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, it was funny. I had dinner last night um, with friends. We had dinner with friends last night, and 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 Freddie Couples was there, and, and we talked about it too. And and uh, you know he 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 thinks the same thing. I mean, it's 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 strange because as the years go by, you know they kind of get forgotten, and and becoming a world class instructor. Um, Has brought my dad back into into the fold and discussion um, of you know being in the Hall of Fame, and I think the the number of people he's helped. You you mentioned the corporate outings that he's done over the years, and you could ask any player; they'll admit that my dad's the king of the corporate outings. Um, He helped transcend the game and and bring the game to so many people, uh, the enjoyment of it, and. Um, now with the teaching, helping kids from, you know, early teens to, you know, guys in their 60s, 70s, uh, whether they're a tour player or not, I mean, he's, he's helping and touching a lot of people in a, in a positive way and, and, and bringing a lot of enjoyment to people's lives and, um, you know, coupled with his career as a, as a player, uh, obviously I'm biased. I believe he, he should be in, um. And, uh, you know, with the help that, like, you, yourself, and, and and a lot of other people in the media, I mean, it, uh, it's bound to happen. I'm hoping it does. It'd be great to, to have that be the uh, uh, icing on the cake for his career, you
1: know. Right. Amen to that. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being a part of the show and joining me again this morning. Tell our listeners how they can follow you both online and over social media
3: uh yeah well you know stockton golf uh my dad and i our company stockton golf and, and uh uh i'm on twitter at d s j r one and uh my dad's not on twitter
1: <laughs>
3: but uh, he but he he does text and he's he's getting better at emails so it's pretty funny but uh you know most of the time we're a lot of times we're at the same tournament, so i handle all that stuff but uh yeah stockton golf and and my twitter at d s DSJR1, um, and um, we're having a lot of fun together. That's fantastic.
1: Dave, it's uh, it's sure been a real pleasure having you back on the show with me this morning. Thanks for taking time out of your morning to join me. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon to share more of your insights because you're, uh, you're fantastic to talk to.
3: Uh, I appreciate it, Chris. It's always fun to be on with you, and I hope you have a great weekend.
1: All right. You too, Dave. Take care. All the best to you, you and your family. You too. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, Dave. Bye. Dave Stockton Jr. Great stuff, boy. I got I got a you know a couple of pages full of notes here I'll make sure I reread before uh, before I hit the golf course again. I love that visual trust let it go and getting your mind, you know, out of the ball when uh, when you're over it, boy. Visualizing it go in, trust your shot, make the swing. Fantastic stuff from Dave Stockton Jr. All right, folks, uh, before we close up shop, you know, I uh, want to make sure I remind you about uh, a great book that's out there. It's called A Golden 18, written by Roger Schiffman, and the photography by our friend, one of the greatest photographers anywhere on the planet, Jim Mandeville. Jim, as uh, I'm sure you know by now, is the director of photography at the Nicholas Companies book showcases some of Mr. Nicholas's greatest course designs. The stories about the courses are fantastic as well, and the photography is simply amazing. In fact, it's so good. You're going to want a second copy of the book because you're going to want to take pages out of the book and frame them. Uh, To get your copy, go to nicholas.com and hover over the products and partners tab, and then click on books and videos. If you love golf and just wonderful photography, you're going to love this book. All right, everybody, it's time to put a bow on this one. My sincere thanks uh, once again to David Meltzer and uh, Dave Stockton, Jr., for being such great guests with me this morning. And we thank you for tuning in. You know, we appreciate you the very most. And uh, we thank you for uh, taking time out of your morning or your afternoon or your drive to to listen to the show. We also want to thank you and, 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 and uh, point you to our football show, our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate with me and my co-host, Bob Lazare, our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern live on Blog Talk Radio, also starting at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time on Armed Forces Radio. You can also catch us Friday night's. On Boost Radio from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, we're joined every week by legends from around the NFL and the CFL, some of the biggest names and uh, great stars that uh, we all grew up watching on TV. So uh, we hope you'll join us over there. Please also check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like; that's important to to us too. And you, know, you can find us online. This show is next on net and ThursdayNightTailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free. Plus, keep up to date with who our future guests are going to be on both sites. Thanks again for choosing to uh, to, to uh, listen to this show today. I appreciate you guys the very most. And until next week, hit them straight, my friends.
0: the choice of a crispy chicken blt to wendy's four for four is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing i got me out and i sound like a robot but do you like the sound of this wendy's four for four now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken blt from detroit to macon i keep it crisp like bacon both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets fries and a coke for just four bucks oh yeah at participating wendy's for a limited time meal includes small fries and a drink not valid in alaska and hawaii adding the choice of a crispy chicken blt to wendy's four for four is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing i got me out and i sound like a robot but do you like the sound of this wendy's four for four now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken blt from detroit to macon i keep it crisp like bacon both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets fries and a coke for just four bucks oh yeah at participating wendy's for a limited time meal includes small fries and a drink not valid in alaska and hawaii